Don't forget the basics, but also make sure you monitor JavaScript with freelance SEO consultant Natalie Arney. Brought to you by Majestic, I'm David Bain and this is SEO in 2022. Natalie, what's your number one SEO tip for 2022? So my number one SEO tip for 2022 is to not forget the basics. Um, a lot of people will focus on what's trendy and what's cool and what everyone's talking about. But I think SEO should really make sure that everything, everything that's best practice and everything that's basic and quick and easy is also remembered to you. So one thing that's basic for someone might not necessarily be basic for someone else. But so what would you what would you prioritize as being the key basics of over, over 2022? I would say things like um, site structure, information architecture and hierarchy. Um, although they're often known as something that might be more more advanced in the in the content side of things, um, they are things that are thought about when creating a website, when structuring a website at the very beginning. And they're always something that I think people need to consider throughout the process rather than just doing it at the start of something. Um, and then also having to think about things like meta content um, that can affect click-through rate. And we've seen those changes that Google have made in the last year um, with regards to displaying page titles in SERPs and making sure that obviously we try and get the users to the site as much as possible because in the end, at the end of the day, we're here to get traffic to a website and we're there to get converting traffic and qualifying traffic to a website. Okay, so it's probably worthwhile diving into those three areas just into a little bit more depth there. So site mm -hmm. structure, information architecture and a hierarchy. For site structure, um, are you just referring to um, overall site coding there and structure of the coding? I would say it's more about um, it's linked to information architecture. So things like creating content hubs, but making sure that your content's internally linked to properly and adequately as well. If you're looking at an e-commerce site, making sure that your navigation is is well structured and that actually appeals to the user and that the users are using it properly rather than just creating it for creation's sake. Okay, understood. And and information architecture, um, how is that different then to site structure? So I would say with site structure, it's more about the um, technical side and the structure of the site, so things like internal links. And then when we're looking at information architecture, we're not just looking at the site structure of of the site, the physical structure of a site, we're also looking at how the information is organised, whether that's content hubs, whether that's having blogs, whether that's having domains, subdomains, subfolders. There's so many different things and different reasons around that. Great. Okay. And then for the last one, you mentioned that was hierarchy. Um, so I would assume that's the number of steps, the number of links from the homepage? Definitely. And obviously, there's lots of different types. Linking that to the information architecture and, and site structure, I think looking at the hierarchy of a content on your site is so important. A lot of the time, what we'll do is we'll that you'll find that there's um, really, really informative, helpful pieces of content that are just sitting there, you know, six, seven, six, seven um, layers down on a on a random blog, um, and obviously things like that need to be analysed um, and prioritised because obviously we don't want content that's that's really helpful and really useful sitting further down in a in a site structure. Um, we want users to be able to find that informative and informational content 
And obviously by doing so, hopefully it would rank better. So are you able to say that a site um, that is no more than X pages shouldn't have a hierarchy deeper than X levels? Um, I don't think so. I think it all depends on the site itself and how it's already structured and how you want to say if you were migrating or making some changes to that site, how you would lay that out. I think making sure that the user journey is supported as much as possible. And I think we need to consider that obviously we do have different types of users visiting sites all the time. So it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be every user, but making sure that the the journey to the, to that piece of information or to that piece of content is as accessible as possible. Okay. Yeah. Now, in the original tip you provided, you also talked about the importance of monitoring JavaScript. So what JavaScript are we talking about here? Are we tra- talking about tra- tracking scripts that are commonly installed or um, even sites that are created in JavaScript? I would say both. The use of JavaScript obviously is increasing and it's increasing every single year. There's more and more platform pe- people moving to different types of platforms um, that, that are either use a lot of JavaScript or are fully built on JavaScript. And a lot of the time, people aren't aware of of how that might impact SEO. Us as SEOs, I think it's still on a bit where a lot of us are still on a big learning curve with regards to JavaScript SEO. Um, But we know that the market is changing. And I think it's making sure that you're keeping on top of that, making sure that you understand what issues might arise and then knowing the people that you need to go to and speak to with regards to getting those issues fixed. It might be that a client wants to replatform to a site that's fully JavaScript. So it's making sure that you're, number one, you know a little bit about JavaScript SEO and how that's going to affect you as, as the SEO for the client or for, you know, if you're in-house. Um, and also if there are any issues that you need to be aware of initially Um, or it might be that you're getting a new client and that their site has got pieces of javascript that is affecting that content from being called indexed and ranked so there's lots of reasons and lots of ways around why why people should look at and monitor javascript and obviously using tools um, would is one step but also the education around it and understanding why it's used by developers why um why clients want to use it as well Um, and then obviously the impact and the restrictions that it does have on on you as an SEO. So I'm old enough to remember flash-based websites and how horrific they were for SEO (laughs) and and my natural instinct with JavaScript sites is Mm. to be a little bit concerned and scared thinking that search engines might not be able to crawl them. Is, Is that a valid concern nowadays or should search engines be able to crawl them quite as easily? I would say Without without being the cliche, it depends. Um, I think that search engines should be able to know and understand as we're moving more towards a, a, a not a fully JavaScript web, but there is a large, you know, it, it does take up a large proportion of the web itself. Um, so if 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 it takes up a large proportion of the web, then search engines should be able to call that content. Um, I know that they're slowly getting there but I don't think it's fast enough. Um, so that's where we as SEOs and um, as and also developers need to be aware of, of the, the restrictions and the, the, the things that they need to be aware, the things that we need to kind of take into consideration 
around around JavaScript because obviously it, it does impact so many different things. And it's things like server-side rendering, whether you should implement that or not, what to serve. Um, it's even down to things like um, whether search engines can crawl internal links, mm. whether they can um, see links in navigation. Um, there's there's lots and lots of different issues. And obviously, when we don't have clients or developers on our sites, um, with regards to understanding the issues around that, then you know it, it presents us with a whole other layer of, of issues. So should crawlers like Deep Crawl, like Screaming Frog, be able to give you the same information about a JavaScript site as a regular HTML site? Um, I think so, yeah. Um, I like the fact that certain crawlers, such as um, Sitebulb um, and I believe Deep Crawl as well, um, can allow us and give us the information that um, obviously there's the response versus rendered um, co-coverage. I think that's really, really helpful because um, before some before a lot of the, the crawlers were, were able to do that, we, a lot of us were having to rely on Chrome plugins. Um, a lot of us still do, um, but I think having crawlers um, and having crawling tools to be able to to give us things like, yeah, response versus render um, really, really does help um, and helps us to present that information to an internal team, to a developer, um, to whoever we're trying to get buy-in from, so different types of stakeholders, and actually show them what the issue is, um, aside from this is the issue and it's stopping us from getting here. So you also mentioned the importance of using tools to monitor JavaScript. So what tools mm -hmm. were you talking about there? So for myself, I use um, a number of different tools. Um, I use Screaming Frog. Obviously, it doesn't give you at the moment the response versus render, but I'm hope hopefully that will come along. Um, I think it's it it doesn't clearly show show you it. Um, so there's the so I say Screaming Frog, uh, Site Bulb, and I also use Content King. Um, which is great at highlighting any issues and changes and also helping with regards to, say, a developer has implemented a fix or says they implemented a fix with regards to JavaScript. It will tell you whether that's actually been completed or not um, without having to constantly run crawls um, because it's doing it for you. Yeah, you're talking about constantly running crawls. I mean, how often should a site be crawled for JavaScript monitoring? Are we talking about on a monthly basis, less often, more often than that? Um, again, I think it will depend on the team. Um, it depends on how, what what developers are actually doing um, and any anything that's being implemented at that time. Because obviously we all have different workloads and devs obviously have different queues. Um, obviously, a lot of us do run crawls on a weekly basis or even on a monthly basis. Um, so it shouldn't really be up to us to crawl crawl a site every day. Um, however, having something that will alert us to those issues really does, really can be helpful. Okay, and what are some typical issues that you've seen that um, SEOs tend to be alerted to and, and, and what are the most important issues to be aware of? Oh, there's lots of different things. I would say um, canonicals is a big one. Um, so years ago, um, I had an issue where a site had a whole folder, canonical, the whole site canonicalized to one folder 
Um, if we'd at the time, if we'd had a monitoring tool that would alert us to that, we would have been able to jump on that a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, issues like that can arise. Um, but again, yeah, it really does depend on what's going on internally, how what's going on in the developers queue, and um, what what's 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 actually going on in the sphere, and also the type of platform, because obviously platforms can can change things themselves, um, especially with regards to if, the, if they're updated, um, things, platforms where, where it's not custom built or if there's, um, you know, platforms that use a lot of plugins like Shopify and WordPress that have to update their plugins, then obviously there's lots of different issues that might arise around that as well. It took me about a year to say canonicalization, <laughs> but <laughs> I got there. So if an SEO is struggling for time, but they believe in what they're, you're saying. They, they think I haven't actually done any monitoring of, of, of JavaScript, um, certainly recently. Mm-hmm. What's something that they will have been doing or they, they're likely to be doing at the moment that is probably not as good a use of their time that they need to stop doing in order to spend more time doing what you suggest? I think creating content without a strategy. If you're just creating for content for content's sake, um, then I would say you could spend that time doing something else. So if it was a, you know, a non-SEO related piece of news, um, uh, when I mean that a non, non-optimized non or SEO led piece of news um, that's not going to get that traffic to your site, then you could be spending that time elsewhere. So um, obviously, as SEOs, the main the main um, priority priorities for us is traffic acquisition and user acquisition. Um, and I would say that obviously we're not going to acquire customers by a a, a piece of news that's not going to be distributed or ranking um, and that could go to a different department and then you could spend that time on something else. Great thoughts. Well, you can find Natalie Arney over at nataliearney.com. Natalie, thanks for being part of SEO in 2022. Thanks ever so much. Check out the rest of the content from SEO in 2022 over at seoin2022.com. <laughs>